finishing today a sermon series about God's design for the church, so that ties right in. Talking about how, as we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit begins to operate in our lives, and how the Spirit gives each one of us as believers at least one year, and maybe several. And those gifts, remember, are designed to be used together with others in the body of Christ. So that fits that picture perfectly. And I I hope by now that many of you are thinking, tell me what my gift is, Pastor. Uh, Can you you talk more about these specific gifts so I can figure this out? I hope that you're asking those kind of questions. I hope by now that you're hungry to find out more about your own gift. Because we talked a little bit about specific gifts, uh, but I purposely stayed in big picture on this for a couple of reasons. First, I want us to understand the context and the purpose of the gifts. And then second, I think that we discover our gifts best in the midst of relationships with other people and in discussion with others. Um, it's kind of hard to deliver in a sermon-type format. And so, at the end of the message this morning, I'm going to give you a personal tool to help you discover more about your own spiritual gifting. And I hope that you'll respond and pursue that. Um, this morning, I want to give one more big-picture-type message on the gifts that God gives. And as we think about the church, um, and we think about the things that happen here, you know, like the carnival uh, this weekend, or GLS, um, those things seem like big jobs, big things to do. Especially as one person looks at all the tasks involved in that type of event, it can seem overwhelming. But when a team of people breaks it down, and they organize the body, and everyone comes together, and everyone contributes a small part, big things are possible. Now, on our own, we're limited. But when the body comes together, it's so good. It's good. Well, in the Old Testament, Israel faced a large task as well. Um, and it was something that looked huge and impossible to them. God had uh, delivered them out of Egypt, and in Exodus 25 and 30, uh, God lays out in great detail for them through Moses, the kind of tabernacle that he wants them to build. And in those chapters, he gives the dimensions, he gives the kinds of wood, the kind of metals to use, tells them how to make the walls and the ceiling and the furniture, right down to um, how to make the clothes for the priests. And so, no detail is left out there. But when God is building this first church, so to speak, he lets Moses in on a little secret. He's already sent his spirit ahead to give the right people for the right job so that the task can be accomplished quickly and exactly the way that he commanded it to be done. So that's why I want to pick it up this morning. Exodus chapter 31. You turn there. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. Page 136 in the Bible. Exodus 31, there are some names in here which I'll do my best with, but uh, hopefully we'll get the purpose of the passage. 
starting with verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahishabah, tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I commanded you. The tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, with all the other furnishings of the tent, the table and its articles, the pure gold lampstand and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, and also the golden garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. And so there in brief is this overwhelming task of building all of these things. Um, and we talked about how God gives us as believers spiritual gifts, and in this passage, I think we see even more than that. Uh, verse 6 says, Also, I have given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I've commanded you. So I'm wondering in our context, who are the craftsmen? Well, we are. Um, those who are placed our faith in Christ, we know we've been given spiritual gifts. But it seems that we've been given other things as well. What are the skills mentioned here in this passage? Are the, are the physical skills that God gives us or allows us to develop. And so, just like that first tabernacle was built by those that the Spirit gifted, His church today is built in the same way. He gives us all that we are and He asks us to use all that we are. And so this morning, I'd like to conclude this series by looking at some ways that we can discover God's gift in our lives. And before we do that, there are a few things that I want to make sure that we understand about the way that we're created and where ministry fits the overall purpose of the life of every believer. Because I think we need to understand that. Um, not just the concept of gifts and how God has gifted us individually, but we need to understand also why discovering and using our gifts is essential to our own personal growth and the growth of God's kingdom. And so, very quickly this morning, I want to lay out seven truths about service that are true for every Christian in our lives. Seven things that I think give us a complete picture of what the Bible teaches about service and its place in our lives. And some of these are going to be in review. Um, but each one is something that I think is important for us to understand as we, before we go into individual gifts. So, every Christian is, first of all, if you're taking notes, created for ministry. We're created for ministry. We can try to fill our lives with all kinds of other things, and we can wander from who we should be, but we can't get away biblically from this core truth that we were created to minister. That God has created us to serve Him in His church, and that's the way we're wired. Ephesians 2.10 says, 
For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, we're created to serve, and, and the spiritual gifts are how God uniquely shapes us to do what He created us to do. So that's the first thing, we're created for ministry. Secondly, every Christian is called into ministry. It's easy to look at perhaps a pastor or a missionary and say, well, they're called into ministry. That's definitely true. Um, you know, I'm called to full-time ministry, but I want you to know this morning that so are you. The difference is that I'm passionate um, in this setting, but others are called uh, to other settings. Some are called to be nurses, some are called to be carpenters, engineers, teachers. But that doesn't diminish their call for ministry. I think we have a tendency to exalt the call for pastors and missionaries, but we're all called. I remember a professor in college um, having a conversation with one of my classmates, and, and the student informed him that his intention was to go into part-time ministry. And I remember that professor replying, oh, are you a part-time Christian? And, and his point was that there's no such thing as a part-time ministry in the life of Christians. It's what we're created to do. And it's displayed in every aspect of our lives. First uh, Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. So, do you understand that? That as a Christian, Scripture here says, you're a part of a nation of priests. And you may think, well, I'm not a priest. But not in the sense of a formal priest, but that all of us make up the priesthood of believers. And that you are a minister. I just made some of you kind of uncomfortable. But, you know, you're the minister. I'm not the minister. But I'm the pastor. But we're all ministers living out our calling that God has given us. And so uh, that's why I say uh, we're called for ministry. Thirdly, every Christian is gifted for ministry. And this goes against the enemy Satan's greatest lie in our lives that we have nothing to offer. It's like Chris up here with the bubble stick. I don't have anything. Right? That's not true. We're gifted for ministry. And so if we're created to minister and we're called to minister, then it follows logically that the one who creates and the one who calls will also gift us to accomplish the ministry. This is where your spiritual gifts will be used. This is the place that God has put you to minister and serve. First Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gifts you receive to serve others, Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So notice that God has given to each one of us, not to some of us. And these gifts empower us and they free us to minister to others in ways that we can never do on our own. So every Christian is gifted. And then fourthly, we're also authorized for ministry. When I go to hospitals to visit folks, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll check in at the front desk, 
and if they don't know me, um, sometimes they'll ask for um, some kind of credential. So I have a credential card that says I'm a minister and so forth, and, and, and it serves as kind of a pass or a license that we would use to, to get in certain places that only authorized people can go. The good news this morning is that God has authorized each one of us as believers to do ministry. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says to his disciples, and to us as his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I commanded you. And so he has authorized us to do ministry. And so if we have an opportunity to share his love, that's not something that we have to pray about or seek direction on. Jesus says, go, teach, love, do all these in my name and by my authority. It's time to move ahead in ministry and taste God's word to those who need to hear it. And then find people that we can serve and, and teach and teach them to serve and teach and pass it on. So those are four things. I think the next truth is the most compelling reason of all for this lifestyle of ministry or service. Uh, every Christian has been given authority for it, and next we are commanded to minister. Check out Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. Jesus says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as, as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so again, Jesus gives us this example. And following him means serving in ministry. And he commands it here to his followers. He said, just as I came to serve, I expect no less from you. And so he uses words like serve, go, teach, care for. And he doesn't put them in the context of if you feel like it or if you have time for it. No, they're expectations. And so I fear this morning that many of us view these commands as optional. Maybe growing up, uh, your family was like mine. Uh, my family growing up on Saturday morning, that was usually the time uh, that we designated as a cleaning day. And each of us had specific jobs. This was when I was young, obviously, but we had very specific jobs that had to be accomplished. And there wasn't a lot of discussion on that. And uh, there were no excuses that were acceptable at that time, my parents commanded that the job be done. And so there were times that we did those things happily. There were also times where we pouted, put up a fight. But the end result was always the same. The job got done. The obedience was expected. In the same way God expects us to obey. He commands us to minister, to accomplish this task of building his church and his kingdom. And so we have a choice. We can do it joyfully, uh, we can serve with a glad heart, or we can avoid it. We can complain, we can pick and scream, we can neglect our responsibility. But the fact remains is that there's a job to do. 
God commands His church to do it. And so each of us, not just the pastors, not, not just the mature Christians, there aren't different levels to this. You're not too young. You're not too old. When we accept His love, when we see what He sacrificed for us, it comes with this command to serve. Why? Well, because of this next truth. We are all needed for ministry. We're all needed for ministry. Again, the skin is awesome. The bubble stick was needed, even though he didn't think he was needed. I talked a little bit about that last week, but but just like a cleaning house when I was young, if one person didn't do their job, then what? The rest of us had to pick up the slack. And usually that meant things weren't done quite as well. It's the same way in the church. In the mind of Christ, all parts are needed. And so if you don't serve or use your gifts in the body, the rest of the body struggles. So, I'm not saying that with selfish motive this morning. I'm not trying to trip you or guilt you in serving here this morning because that's not effective. I just want to teach what God says. Um, and so, to let you know that this is God's Word. And if you're not serving, if you're not following what God has commanded, then you're the one that's missing out, as well as the church. You're not finding His purpose for you, why He's created you. Um, and some of you may not want to hear that, but I'm just the messenger, I guess is what I want to say. This is God's speaking. Listen to God's word. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now all of you together, speaking of believers, are Christ's body, and each of you is a separate and necessary part of it. So every part of the body is needed. If you remove a belt from a car engine, it seems like a small, seemingly insignificant piece. It's a vital piece because if you take that belt out, right one, your car is not going to run. Same is true for your rolling body. You're vital and necessary because you're part of a larger whole and you're rolling in the So you need it. And when you accept that and plug in, this is a more uh, enjoyable point to make. Scripture says that we will be rewarded for ministry. We'll be rewarded for ministry. Probably don't talk about this enough. Heaven awaits all of us who's made a decision to follow Christ, but Scripture does teach that there will be rewards upon our arrival, differing according to how we serve. And ministry and service may be tough, but, but as we do that, we're storing up treasures in heaven to be enjoyed for all eternity. Colossians 3.22 says, Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So, don't misunderstand me. Ministry and service in no way earns your salvation. That's a free gift from God. But ministry and service is our response to God's gift, and it will be rewarded in eternity in heaven. Something to look forward to. 
So those seven truths about gifts, I think, help us understand and truly appreciate the beauty of the gifts that God has given us to accomplish. So now that we have that in place, how do you know what your gifts are? How do you know? Well, there's no magic formula. There's no magic test that suddenly reveals that. But there are some tools out there that can help. A really helpful start or point you in the right direction. So our church would like to offer you a tool or a technical assessment to explore what your spiritual gifts might be. And this is the starting place for discussion. It's not the end all, this is the way it is, these are, you know, this is, this is an exploratory thing. Start to think about what are these spiritual gifts and which ones maybe has God given me. So, um, on our website, livinglifereform.org, if you go there and click on the Grow Us menu tab, there's something on there called Spiritual Gifts Test. And if you click on that, create an account, answer the questions, it'll take you about 10 minutes, and then you'll be given uh, top three gifts from spiritualgifts.com, and they'll be linked to our church account as well. It just goes to me, I will protect that information, I'm not going to publish that, but this is a, an exploratory starting point to try to figure this out. And if you're really serious about it, take the... Uh, Take the test there, and then ask somebody who really knows you and says, is there anything to this? Because we're often not very objective about ourselves. We often don't recognize what God's given us. And so the rest of the body can say, yeah, you have that. I see that. And bounce it off of other people. It's a good way to begin to discover what God has given us. So I hope that all of you will take advantage of that. Just discover that it's free. I know there might be a few of you who don't, maybe a few are visiting this morning. So let me close by giving you uh, some practical advice on ways that you can begin to discover your gifts. Very quickly, to discover your gifts. First of all, experiment. Experiment. Uh, Involving the phrase, you never know until you try. I think that applies to spiritual gifts as well. For example, you may feel that teaching is definitely not your gift. But, if you're willing to try it, you might be surprised. You should be willing to try things and fail. Uh, earlier in my life, I was a youth pastor. And when they, they hired me at this church in Wisconsin, they said, you're going to preach, you're going to work with the youth, but you're going to preach once a month. And I said, I'm not going to preach once a month. And they said, yes, we're going to preach once a month. Totally uncomfortable, totally out of my realm, anything that I had ever done. And so I began preaching once a month, and it was hard. But after seven years of preaching once a month, I found, I enjoy this. I can do this. So that's why I say we have to experiment, we have to try, we have to be willing to fail. We've got to be willing to throw ourselves out in different situations and see when we shine, see when God can use us. Um, second, evaluate. I already mentioned this a little bit, but once we try uh, a ministry, we need to step back and evaluate how it went. Uh, time to be honest with ourselves. Let others be honest with us. How do we feel as we were doing it? And if we 
you didn't feel real good about it, maybe that's an indicator. But if you did feel good about it, if you were passionate about it, if you were excited about something to pay attention to, so use our gifts and then evaluate it again. If you're serious, let others evaluate it. People who love you enough to speak honestly and say, no, that's not your gift. Or, that is your gift. Great way to evaluate. Evaluate our effectiveness. How is it going? Are we making a difference? Are we impacting others? Third thing we need to measure for serving within the area of our giftedness. Uh, the third way is to expect affirmation. Other Christians coming along, helping us find our gifts. If you're using your gifts, other Christians are going to notice that. The body's going to notice that. So, if you already know what your spiritual gifts are, perhaps you can help others identify that. Um, do you see someone who's serving well? If you're impacted by someone's words, or someone's ministered to you, tell them. Let them know that you can see the way that God is using them and how He's giving them. Paul shows this in the church in Thessalonica, he says, 1 Thessalonians 5, and therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Others often see our gifts clearer than we do. And then finally this morning, expect the unexpected. Don't say, oh God, I'm only going to do this, and I can only do this. Don't do that. Be flexible. Be open to the leading of the Spirit. He may surprise you with a gift that you never would have considered. Also, uh, your giftedness and your passions can change over time. So those of you who have taken an assessment or a test, feel free to take this one. Perhaps your passions have changed over time. Perhaps your giftedness have changed. Very possible. So that you don't get too comfortable in one ministry or one area. Expect the unexpected and be ready to follow where God's leading. Finally, this morning, each one of you is gifted. And so, as a church, I believe that our job is to help us, each other, discover what is your sweet spot in ministry, the place where you are. Uniquely qualified and gifted to serve and passionate. And I think it's our job to encourage you, to help you find that, and to build you up in that ministry. But on your part, it takes a willing heart. It takes a humble spirit. And it takes individuals who can see the big picture of what God can accomplish and are willing to lay down their own agendas, their own wants, their own needs to see that big picture become a reality in their life and in this church. May it be so.